0: Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell and I'm Lloyd Hughes and today's film is Rush by director Ron Howard which uh, tackles the 70s rivalry between Formula One rivals James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. Uh, Just a heads up we always talk about films on this podcast with spoilers in mind so uh, if you haven't seen the film Rush from 2013 um, please check it out or uh, be warned we will be heading into spoiler territory. But first, Lloyd, you've just come back from the Formula One in Melbourne. Yeah, that's Um, right. The uh, F1s. (laughs) Did you enjoy the bachelor party weekend?
1: (laughs) It went on for three days. I've never partied so hard in my life. I've uh, lost a bit of my voice. I wasn't yelling. I think it was because I was in a club and in a club, you tend to raise your voice because the music's so loud and about several hours of that, I think, did it. So my voice is probably going to come in and out on this podcast
0: we well, you've been to at least two Formula 1s, and that's two more than me, so um, I'll be looking to you for the expert having first-hand experience on this.
1: The big difference is the one that I went to in 2012, I think, uh, had the V8 engines, I, I don't know anything about cars, and they were really loud, like you had to wear earplugs, like it was deafening the sound. The A formula one that I went to this year moved to I think it's the v6 turbocharged engine I I don't exactly know the name but um, they sound much lower like I didn't even need headphones or anything to block out the sound and uh, yeah but nothing in the world sounds like that like when you're at the formula ones and you hear them go by there is nothing in the world that sounds like that or feels like that like that speed is is
0: so intense And so do you think that was captured well in this film, like that was represented?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, um, I think, I just want to say right off the bat that this is the best Formula One film um, a movie ever made I haven't seen Senna and that is a uh, a documentary most people always say Senna is the greatest documentary ever on motorsports um, It's uh, I think it's about a Brazilian racer and I haven't seen it unfortunately uh, but I, I think Rush um, out of the Formula One movies that have been made Rush is head and shoulders above everyone the only Formula One movie I can think of I think it's called drive with uh sylvester stallone <laughs> oh i remember trailers for that yeah it's, it's horrible Dri- driven or driver it might it's be driver, driven i think uh, because driving drive is the yeah. one directed by walter hill that came out in the 70s oh no actually they recycle names all the time don't they and then driven 2001
0: yeah. sylvester stallone yeah i just looked it up it's yep. driven okay Okay, yeah, I, do. I remember trailers for that. I never saw it. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could, I feel like this film is better than that. Yeah, um, this one's got a lot of production value. Uh, Ron Howard's a very credible director, and they've they've done a really good job. Um, for someone like me who's not so into Formula One, I really enjoyed the story too. But I found, and this was on purpose, because I'm sure the thirty-eight million dollar budget didn't allow for them to build cars and then smash them. Yeah. Um, they've taken lengths to, like, reduce the amount of Formula One in it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was so risky. The very first race you see is just, a, like, the moment they say go, it fr- the picture freezes, and then we just see a title who won. And I was yep. just like, "Whoa, that is so!" It hit me in the face right away. I was like, "I was expecting an exciting race, just for, for at least the first one, you know." It was so risky.
0: Yeah, I agree. But I think it ultimately it just it becomes a montage leading up to the final race, yeah. Um, which is the important one, which gets most of the screen time. I feel like it would have been like a three and a half hour movie if you'd watched all the races. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. At a certain point with that budget, you're not going to You know, be able to put in every single race. You've got to pick your battles, so to speak. Um, Look, uh, Ron Howard, let's jump back to him. I feel like he's got a lot of great films under his belt. I was just looking at the list of films he's directed the other day. Do you have a favourite, Lloyd?
1: That's a really good question. First off the bat, I would say Willow, but I think he's matured a lot more after that film. Like, I thought Apollo 13 was a fantastic movie. Um, Mm -hmm. It's amazing with those movies like especially Apollo 13 you know what's gonna happen in the end yet it's so exciting and riveting like the whole time a whole time you're watching the film you're just like geez I hope these guys are gonna make it you know he, he may he has that amazing ability to just draw you into the drama uh, what about yourself
0: um, when I was looking at the list I look I've watched ed TV heaps of times yeah I think it's a really underrated yeah, that's so
1: one. underrated heaps of people recommend that to hated it absolutely hated okay.
0: it yeah but then you've got the that's like you know the original pairing of matthew mcconaughey and uh, woody harrelson they're in true detective now among other things yep. um ransom i thought was quite underrated but i haven't watched it for a while but i mean for me the the best film he's done for watchability and rewatchability is parenthood yeah i was I gonna mean,
1: say parenthood's probably his all around his best film because there is various stories in that narrative and he handles all of them really well. Like, each cat, Yeah, it's it's an amazing
0: movie. And there's a little bit of, like, um, drag racing in that as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, He's a bit
1: hit and miss because some of the movies he made are, like, uh, Angels and Demons and The Da Vinci Code, I haven't seen. But I heard they're really bad. And I really hated A Beautiful Mind, although they got a lot of Oscar wins and everything like that. I thought it was a really bad movie.
0: Yeah, um... Well, Beautiful Mind was sort of, I guess, famous for being the film after Gladiator that Russell Crowe was Mm. Oscar-nominated for. You know, he was already very in the limelight from Gladiator. And then, I I don't know, he lost that year to Denzel Washington. And um, it was one of those things where it wasn't really the best film Yeah, Beautiful Mind. (laughs) Um, But I, I, I agree, he's a bit hit and miss. I think ultimately what Ron Howard does well is the heart you know yeah. uh, matters of the heart he he really hits emotional cues very well um, it's in ed tv all the best bits are to do with you know um, him and his family mm. and like you know the love and like relationships mm. I guess so with this film it's not about the formula one as much as it is this relationship between the two men and the rivalry and like the passion that they have the tagline is everyone's driven by something yep and they, they just both happen to want the same thing and they're both in each other's way and it's this mix of respect as well as rivalry and yeah. it's it's really well done yeah it's, I mean, it's a, a period
1: point. piece as well and he blends in the I think unless it's actually shot footage they just shot themselves but it felt like he blotted, he blended in real footage from the event into the film like it just had that level of authenticity all the way through it
0: I think he did. Yeah, Yeah. I was watching an interview. Um, The interview was uh, as they were editing the film and he was talking a little bit about Uh, that they've used stock footage and so forth. It kind of
1: reminded me of Argo, how well Ben Affleck was able to blend in real footage, although I think a lot of that was actually shot, but it just had that level of authenticity, and I think that's a great use of compositing and CGI, how they're able to utilise modern technology and blend it really well in period pieces. I think you're going to get really excellent films, um, period piece films, um, in, in the near future
0: definitely argo is a very good example of that um to compare to this yeah um i just wanted to to mention the poster i don't know if you've seen it lloyd it's probably the dvd cover as well the uh, in most you know regions mm. um it's literally just chris hemsworth's face yeah well, Yeah. have you seen well,
1: it well i think from a marketing point of view i would probably do the same thing just because he's so successful um worldwide just uh, what's a movie is it just thor or is it thor something else
0: well he's in thor the dark world the sequel yeah. he's in the avengers yeah
1: his, his career is so booming I, I personally don't think he's the main star of this movie at all i think daniel Bruhl um is yep. equal like in in this movie and that's the brilliance of the movie the the two share the same uh you know structure in the whole, whole film uh but chris hemsworth definitely is a selling point because formula one isn't popular in america D- america's m- number one sport is actually daytona it's uh like i always thought it was baseball or nfl but apparently um the biggest spectacle they have there is daytona which is a car racing film and we talked yep. in length uh with tony scott's um, days of thunder uh which we also blended into talladega nights with uh, uh will farrell pretty funny pon- podcast you should check that out um <laughs> But, yeah, um, Formula One doesn't even make a blimp on, um, on the whole thing. So to sell uh, Rush, which obviously uh, Ron Howard, who's an American himself, loves Formula One and is trying his best to glamorize as much as possible, make it look, you know, appetizing for the American audience. I don't think it did too well in America, from what I understand. And if you're going to sell this film, a period piece film on Formula One to America, put the best looking guy you got on the front cover.
0: I can absolutely see that's what all the marketing people were thinking. <laughs> yeah, It's interesting because it's a film about a rivalry yeah. to show just one of them. Maybe they could have done two posters. Maybe they did. One with uh, Daniel Brawl's face and, you know. I hope so. The For two- the
1: European cut or something.
0: Maybe, yeah. That would have been something. But um, what struck me is uh, it's exactly like Heath Ledger's A Knight's Tale poster um, in that it's just a big image of his face. And... Uh, of, when Heath Heath Ledger, Ledger? Oh, of Heath Ledger I'm sorry of Heath Ledger in the Knight's Tale poster yeah oh it's okay just, sure yep. Uh, very similar framing uh, of Heath Ledger's face very close yep. up shot and it says he will rock you <laughs> and um, in a couple of the books I read about Heath Ledger after his death he um, he apparently went to the toilets after seeing the marketing on that poster and just broke down and started crying because he didn't want like, it was an ensemble piece. It wasn't about him. And the way that they'd marketed it, it just became this, like, really focused on him because, yeah. obviously, he was the draw card. It's exactly the same thing on this poster of Rush. And very interesting because, honestly, I, I think probably Chris Hemsworth seems in a good headspace. You know, um, I'm guessing Heath Ledger was a bit younger. Yeah. And less less able to deal with that kind of pressure. Yeah. But... um. The thing with this is I feel like Chris Hemsworth's doing the kind of roles he should do in the lead up to being a better actor and yeah. eventually being Oscar nominated. Yeah.
1: The the thing is, when you are a young, good looking actor, you got to get right away into the top level directors. Like, I know everyone pays out Tom Cruise and uh, geez, another actor that everyone seems to have problems with um, Leonardo DiCaprio Leonardo DiCaprio maybe and there's a few others but all them their games came up like like they got really good because of their early career like especially tom cruise working with oliver stone and martin scorsese at a really young age their game just went up they're they're really good actors you know like they're they're very good at what they do uh and i think chris hemsworth is doing really well whoever is his agent i think is putting him in the right roles
0: i agree and i'm happy to report lloyd It's not a big secret, but, uh, what he has coming up next will tickle your fancy very much. What's that? He's going to be in Michael Mann's (laughs) film, Cyber.
1: Cyber. Yeah. I think I, um, you read that when we did the upcoming films podcast. So yeah, I can't wait.
0: (laughs) And for those who haven't checked that out at all, it's American and Chinese forces work together on a case of high level computer hacking (laughs) and, and just. Explain to us, like, the depths which Michael Mann goes to with his actors. Yeah,
1: he's absolutely insane. He puts a lot of effort into the pre-production. Like, I'll I'll say, for example, um, Collateral, there are actors in that who play cops who never even fire their gun, take out their gun at all, yet he gets them through a firing range course and they're expert at firearms after that course and they're like, I don't even fire a gun in this movie. Like, he puts so much effort, just so the actor has that cerebral aspect in the film they have the confidence of pulling out that gun like just a very very um uh pedantic director i should say
0: <laughs> and he's done some great films too yeah so absolutely uh, let's hope let's hope that next one with chris hemsworth is you know lifts his game as well because i mean chris Hemsworth's doing well and the film that he's got coming up next that's not going to get him oscar nominated is snow white and the huntsman 2
1: yeah oh, he's, he's there's a sequel to that is
0: there yes oh, it's in production no. <laughs> and, get, and snow white's back as well so wow i, I yeah, hope they i hope they
1: do better than the first one yeah seems unlikely uh what, what well. do you think is the appeal of chris hemsworth like obviously he's a surfer australian a very good looking guy but he can act as well like is it his um voice you think or is it just he just got lucky with the roles
0: well uh four minutes into the film his shirt comes off uh five minutes into the film you get to see his butt um those are probably contractual requirements now in Chris Hemsworth films he's uh from the first movie thor the first thor he's in ridiculous shape and like there was a scene where he took his shirt off that no one could stop talking about on the publicity trail uh besides that i mean australians as we know are very hot overseas with hot commodities um He's sort of a mix between, you know, Russell Crowe and Robert Redford, isn't he? I mean, yeah. these are both appealing actors. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, he's one of several Hemsworths because Liam Hemsworth got a lot of publicity for dating Miley Cyrus <laughs> and not to just kind of roll into gossipy podcasts here. But, you know, there's a brand name to Hemsworth now as yes. well.
1: yeah. And he's yeah. synonymous with Thor. Like that's, that's yep.
0: yeah. Which is, you know, where he's making his money. Mm. I mean, he can afford to take little money for Rush as well as the Michael Mann one, I'm sure when you've got, you know, three Thor's lined up and two Avenger movies lined up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Look, this is this is obviously passion project stuff. You know, this is credible acting territory. And I think that's great. I think um, though, you know, He's always going to be known as Thor. He's not going to be Thor forever. It's the same with um, Hugh Jackman, who's portrayed a superhero the most amount of times. I think it's seven now. Yep. As um, Wolverine. Mm -hmm. But the thing about Wolverine is his uh, character is not supposed to age very quickly. So, Wolverine's supposed to look, you know, the same for a hundred years sort of thing. Mm. Um, But Hugh Jackman's going to age. He's not going to take any kind of, you know cgi or anything into future roles so eventually he's gonna to have to stop playing that character and it's the same with um hemsworth and thor yeah really um they're just trying to get everything done as quickly as they can over at marvel i'm sure just to churn out as many films as possible and you know hope that everyone stays interested and daniel Bruhl, uh he uh, poor uh, daniel Bruhl. <laughs> Misses out on the marketing.
1: Yeah. What role did he play in uh, Inglorious Bastards?
0: Uh, if you remember, um, and spoilers here for Inglorious Bastards, just quickly, um, <clears throat> he was the love interest for. The female cinema. Artist. Oh, that's right. He played the. Um, he's a soldier, uh, the hero. Yeah, the, they make the film about. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was also in um, Goodbye Lenin. He was particularly good in that.
1: So this um, is the second time he's playing a Austrian slash German, um, because he's he's actually Spanish, and he's. Play- <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, I mean, if
0: you know German, the, like the language and like stuff like that, it seems easy for him to slip into the accent. Yeah. Did it seamlessly, yeah. Um, And look, I think he did a really good job. Uh, I thought he
1: was fantastic in this movie.
0: Possibly a better job than Chris Hemsworth, even though you know. Yeah, I I
1: completely agree with that.
0: Yeah, Hemsworth he had to play English, which for an Australian is not as big a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Um, Look, they're rebels, lunatics, and dreamers, and they're prepared to die for this, Lloyd. Yeah, Um, there's a theme that
1: um, closer to death brings you um, closer to life. Uh, it's a theme that Oliver Sto- Oliver Stone explored in The Doors with Val Kilmer. It was rampant all throughout that um, about the singer of The Doors, which I'm drawing a blank on the name. I've seen that movie a, f- a few times. And Rush- Morrison. Yeah, <laughs> Morrison. Thank you. And uh, Rush has very similar themes. A young, good looking guy who's in the limelight and he does a sport that has to get him like he takes the risks. That's the whole idea. He will take. The the risks to get to the end and although he's like what's that saying in i think it was quoted in blade runner the star that burns half as bright burns half as long is twice as bright or something like that yep. and that's something r- to that effect yeah I something to mean, that yeah. effect yeah and that's his lifestyle really but it's so touching especially at the end of rush um when he discovers how much how envious daniel Bruhl's character was of that guy out of all the champions that have come he's the guy i envied the most because he he tapped into sonic that i'm not wi- i'm not willing to go like uh he's not willing yep. to take those risks and, and things like that yet he lived life to the fullest um that character uh james hunt
0: yeah absolutely and it, you get that in the ending too when one man just wanted to keep proving that he was the best and that was nikki lauda and then the other one was happy to just do it once and just be in this kind of club of you know uh one-time champions i guess yeah
1: that's right um but but he lived it i guess that was the point he was making like he really put it all on the line and for the rest of his life he really just enjoyed life
0: you know um and that scene where lauda's like flying planes at the end as well it's like you know because it teaches him control or like yeah whatever he said he's it was.
1: never off season he's like uh the floyd mayweather of boxing like he's always on always on his game like he never takes time off whereas um uh james hunt enjoys life and you know it's two different philosophies of
0: life isn't it yeah definitely and um it's it's interesting to see at the beginning of the film the that they're in formula three yeah. as well like you know formula one obviously being the most well known and uh they're everyone's trying to get a call up you know yeah. it's it's just like with any sport there there's this rookie level that you almost never get to see because everybody tunes into the you know they don't televise vfl on uh, you know free to air tv for example they just televise afl well you know? said yeah you're not, you're not seeing the up-and-comers until they're ready to be champions, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm sure that's the same with most sports, you know? There's this lower level. Fascinating to see
1: some of the uh romance in this i felt very forced i think it was okay. a key point in this movie that um we had james hunt dating a, a really uh a blonde olivia wilde uh suzy uh, plays a character Susie miller who eventually yep. uh dated and married richard branson <laughs>
0: uh burton yeah richard burton oh richard
1: burton sorry so the actor richard burton i thought it was branson yeah
0: the the big (laughs) um definitely not richard branson damn it
1: (laughs) um i I thought i like olivia wilde i think she's a very beautiful actually i thought she was really um typical in this film she wasn't given a lot of room she just played a very straightforward um sort of role and i hated that scene where he's down on his luck and he's drinking and she's like you know disappointed where the relationship's um headed you know and she walks mm. out <laughs> i hated that scene and uh nikki lara's scene i would love to have seen more of that um louder of so. where he's
0: driving in the car where with he's driving
1: with the car just more with the relationship with her like uh because obviously she meant so she was a good girl she stayed with him when he got when he after the accident she stayed with yep. him and looked after him. i wanted to see a lot more of that
0: yeah i agree there wasn't enough of their relationship as well yeah you kind of you find yourself wanting to see more from Daniel Brawl, which is a real credit to his performance. Exactly. Um, But I did like the line where Olivia Wilde is uh, discussing, you know, what a playboy and stuff he is. And and, uh, James Hunt says, you know, you don't fancy getting married, do you? And then it cuts to the wedding. You know, I think, (laughs) you know, skimming over the whole courtship was, was a good move though. Yeah, the whole breaking the card, breaking down him driving fast to impress her though romance in the film was skipped over like i said because it's really about their love of racing and their rivalry mm. i mean it's at, at the beginning i said i mean it would have been a three and a half hour movie if they put all the races in yeah. but it would have been even longer if they'd incorporated more romance the, you
1: know? the best scene of the movie for me was when after the accident um he's back racing and then uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, comes up to him to apologize apologize and he goes yeah you're the one um, sorry Nick Lauder says yeah you're the one responsible for me um, getting in the accident but you're equally responsible for me coming back um, because mm-hmm. it was that rivalry that drove him um, to, to beat all the physical odds uh, and I thought that was really awesome it really summed up everything about that movie
0: yeah I agree I think look the script was very tight peter morgan was the writer and i think you know it the pardon the pun but it has a great pace you know uh it's not rushed (laughs) the um the crash with with the flames and everything the chilling sound effects you know we you you can't he can't breathe properly he's gasping for air you know it's really well directed as well what did you make of the um You know, those super close eye shots where it was like a helmet cam?
1: Oh, that was brilliant. I was like, how did they get a camera in here, particularly at the um, hospital scene when he's struggling to put on the helmet and um, we see that close-up of his eyes and the girl in the background. It's very carefully composed, and there is so much emotion in that. Not only are you invested in the intensity of that point of view, you see the emotions of the driver, and you also see the um, the impact it has on the relationship. And it, it was a brilliant shot. I loved it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I didn't know anything was going to happen with Nikki Lauda and the, you know... Uh, accident and mm. so forth so that obviously came as a surprise yeah i don't to know me. anything nope.
1: about formula one so it was really fresh for me
0: yeah whereas i mean i'm sure people who knew about it probably thought it was handled very well and um if you see all the footage and stuff of nikki lauda afterwards he very much resembles daniel brawl yeah in a lot of that's ways. what
1: i really loved about the film in fact i got goosebumps from it was wh- i think it's actually him giving the voice over at the end N- Nicky okay. Lauder I, th- I think it is well even if it isn't it shows real footage of him and that just brought it to a whole new level of authenticity it just warped the whole um, movie and documentary together for me and it was really emotional for me to watching that scene just like wow like I, I-, I saw this story and this was a really meaningful moment in Nicky Louder's life and especially how much James Hunt meant to him um, how yeah. much respect he had for him it was beautiful
0: it would be very hard to find somebody who had all that in common with you, you know? Yeah. And it, it probably served them better to be friends at the end of the day because mm. they pushed each other, you know? Yeah. And I loved the fame montage of James Hunt going on game shows and stuff afterwards. Yes. And, hey, You can do this once, become the champion, and then just basically stop doing it. <laughs> and everyone will remember you as the former world, world champion or whatever, you know? Yep. Although the one thing I didn't like in this film, and there always has to be something... Was the uh, the annoying bit that where Lauda is getting worked on in the hospital, that someone would leave the TV on, the Formula One <laughs> channel, and he has to sit there watching <laughs> Hunt win all those races. <laughs> uh, obviously, he's requested that. What about know, that scene
1: where the journalist asks that really harsh question about the relationship with yep. is this gonna affect your relationship with his wife? Just like what? And then not only that, the journalist gets the crap beaten out of him by James Hunt, Chris Hemsworth in like a bathroom or a, or a, um, a janitor
0: room like or a something. Store room, I'm yeah. like, okay,
1: wouldn't he get sued or wouldn't he get banned from racing? Or is this the '70s? Anything goes.
0: <laughs> nah, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't think about that too much. Yeah. As well, though, I mean, I really enjoyed the plane scene at the very end and the sort of yeah. exactly what you said, how blurred between reality and, um, and you know, fiction. footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was exactly. Bri- it was brilliant. And the, um, the final bit of speech, he says, where he goes, of course, he didn't listen to me. For James, one world title was enough. He had proved what he needed to prove to himself and anyone who doubted him. And two years later, he retired. When I saw him next in London seven years later, me as a champion again, him as broadcaster, he was barefoot on a bicycle with a flat tire, still living each day like his last. (laughs) When I heard he died at age 45 of a heart attack, I wasn't surprised. I was just sad. People always think of us as rivals, but he was among the very few I liked and even fewer that I respected. He remains the only person I envied. Which is just like a touching kind of little tribute. Yeah,
1: that whole sequence and the editing... Oh thanks for reading that out. The the um editing of the footage along with that voiceover uh was riveting. That's what gave me goosebumps. That whole moment it was just fantastic.
0: Yeah, and I I wasn't skeptical watching the film. I was thinking it would be good but I was impressed with how good I found it yeah. and just as well. I wish I taking- saw this
1: on at the cinema because I think Ron Howard would have worked extensively on the sound because I was reading reviews on this and people go, oh, the sound sounded fantastic and I really wish I watched this at the movies because the big thing about Formula One is being there, li- hearing that, that nothing in the world sounds like it as i said before at the beginning of this podcast but the sound of the of the cars of the formula one just is breathtaking and i think you know ron howard being such an enthusiast of formula one obviously with this movie um i think he would have worked extensively trying to capture that so i'm I'm probably going to buy this on blu-ray and just try to pump it as loud well as i can
0: <laughs> <laughs> excellent olivia Wilde's popping up in a lot of uh, films we talk about yeah she was in her you know
1: Yep, uh, Cowboys and
0: Aliens, are one of my (laughs) favourites. Oh, there you go. All right, well, um, next time on the podcast, we're going to talk about All Is Lost. It's a Robert Redford film, and we're going to discuss, much like this film, how it could have missed out on Oscar nominations. Also, as we approach 100 podcasts, um, let us know on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podme if you can, what you'd like to see us talk about on our 100th episode. And uh, just a quick plug, we have passed 30 episodes now on the YouTube channel, Lloyd, Yeah. um, which do you want to explain?
1: Yeah, we we, um, review obscure movies on our YouTube channel. They only go on between six and seven minute um, quick reviews on movies with stars that you've, of course, heard of, such as uh, Kevin Bacon. Um, Who else have we got on there? Um, There's a Brad Pitt one up there now um you know and movies that they've they just began in or movies that they try to bury you know movies that they had to do that no they don't want anyone to watch they're really interesting a lot of them you should never watch and just watch our review because trust me some of them are so bad where others are absolutely breathtaking gems
0: it's interesting isn't it Where an obscure film it's obscure for a reason Either, yeah. like you know they didn't want to mass produce it or whatever. But. They've always got someone famous in them, yeah. Uh, reviews, so the very least you're seeing a young insert actor here that, um, you know, is starting out their career or finishing out their career or, or in some terrible film that <laughs> came out and there was only 2,000 copies made. <laughs> anyway, guys, all is lost. Robert Redford next time on the podcast. Lloyd, thanks for chatting.
1: Thanks, Dave. All the best, guys.